just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Thursday, an eventful day today. My wife and I are going to be heading back to Minnesota, our homestead, if you will. We're leaving Burlington, Vermont. We've been here since Sunday. And I got to say, it's been a wonderful place, a very calming place. It's a very blue state. We've seen a couple of Trump bumpers here and there, but for the most part, it's all very nice, very intelligent people. You know, we have the college or university here in Burlington, the University of Vermont. I mean, it's been there since 1791. It's been there a long time. But we had a great time in Burlington. And yesterday we did some walking around the city. And it's not a very big city, so that's not really that hard to do. And we went up to this area called the Main Marketplace. It's kind of a mall with a lot of cute places to shop and eat. And it's really a nice area. You know, they close off the street there, so it actually is a mall. You can walk all over the place. But one of the main reasons we went to the Main Marketplace is because we knew that Bernie Sanders had an office in the main marketplace. He was down at the end of this mall. um, And we thought we'd just go around, loiter out front, and maybe he'd pop out and maybe we'd talk to him. Well, we get down to the office building. It's one main street in Burlington, Vermont. And the doors are locked. And as I look in the window, I see different um, listings of who's in the building. And there's um, Bernie Sanders, organization on the third floor and it's a three-story building so i don't know if he's got the penthouse or whatever the fuck but still we're sitting there thinking well somebody's bound to come out we wait around for a while nobody nobody came out and then i noticed that there were buzzers on the door now the door to the main entrance to the building was locked and i saw all these buzzers and there's one buzzer for bernie's floor and i said to my wife i said look man i'm just going to push that buzzer She goes, no, you're not. I go, no, I am. She goes, what the fuck are you going to say? And I said, I don't know. Maybe I'll buzz him and say, what up, bro? Is B-Dog in? (laughs) And she looked at me like I was nuts, and maybe I am. And she said, no, you're not doing that. I said, are you sure? You want to meet Bernie Sanders, right? She says, even if you did it, you're not going to say that shit. That's stupid. Leave it to my wife to tell the truth. And hold me accountable. Well, as it turned out, we didn't hit the buzzer. We don't know where Bernie was. We didn't see Bernie. But honest to God, I was hoping I'd was hoping i run into him so I could do a TikTok with him. It would be perfect. I mean, we're talking the rational boomer. But here's the OG rational boomer, Bernie Sanders. He might have done it. He might have done it, but we, we, we didn't run into him at all, so... It was all for naught. And later in the day, after we did some shopping, we had lunch and stuff, we took a boat ride out onto Lake Champlain. It's a beautiful lake, by the way. It's a big lake, and it's very beautiful. We got on one of these big boats with a bunch of people on it, and we rode around for about an hour and a half checking out the sights. There was a narrator telling us all about this. And I started thinking, this is a big lake. How does it compare to the lake I live on? And that's a lake called Minnetonka, which is a big lake in the metro area. I said, it's got to be similar because Minnetonka is really spread out. So I decided to look what the acreage of each lake is to try to compare. Well, the lake I live on is uh, 14,000 acres. That sounds pretty big, right? But then when I looked up Lake Champlain, it said it was 271,000 acres. Fuck, there's no comparison. It's not even close. Lake Champlain is big. And then I thought, okay, let's one-up it a little bit. Let's compare it to Lake Superior, which is another Minnesota lake. And I had no idea what I was in for. 
Now, of course, Lake Champlain has 271,000 acres. You know how many acres Lake Superior has? Acreage of the lake? (laughs) Fucking like 9.8 million acres. There's no comparison. I have no way of really telling how big something is just because I'm on a boat in the middle of it. But I will say, if you come to Burlington, Vermont, by all means, take the boat trip. It's it's truly amazing. It's, 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 it's quite incredible. And the town of Burlington is a wonderful place. That said, whenever I go on a trip, it's always nice to go back home, back in the comforts that you're used to, where it's calm and easygoing and you know exactly what to expect. So we're headed back. You know, when you're listening to this podcast, we're either on the plane or already back. It's only like a two hour, two hour and 15 minute trip. It's not a big deal. It's all pretty easy. All right, we're going to start this podcast and we've got a lot of things to talk about. You know, I always say Donald Trump had the worst day and there's been a lot of those. I have to say yesterday was a pretty fucking bad day for Donald Trump. So you'll want to stick around and listen for that because <laughs> if you've already heard, you know where I'm going with this. If you haven't, you'll want to sit back because Donald Trump is in some serious fucking trouble. Before we start out, I do have a um, an email that comes from Brenton. He says, hey, Mike, can you add to your podcast the option for listeners to leave voice memos? Michael Moore has a similar show to yours, and he has that as an option. And it's convenient for some folks like me who travel and listen to your podcast, and I forget what I want to tell you. I enjoyed your live TikTok of the January 6th hearings, and I would encourage you to do more of them. I know you have issues with the trolls during the lives and would happily be the I'll be dedicated bouncer if needed. We all know trolls hate truth and would stop at nothing to disrupt the free speech they claim the government is um, stifling from them. Your take on the media right now, especially what's coming out of CNN, has been shocking. Every day I'm told there's still the chance of a red wave. Today's headlines was how Biden how Biden's tapping oil reserves and a last-ditch effort to appease voters, which last time I checked, Biden wasn't on the ballot. The media in this country is fear-based, and I try to avoid it, nor not because I'm afraid of it, but because I choose not to add to their viewer count. Keep up the good work, Brenton. First question, Brenton, you make a good point. You know, the idea of people being able to call in and leave voice messages. I have to look into this because I had that option uh, with my uh, provider, Anchor.fm. We'd gotten a bunch of calls over the months that we'd been doing the podcast. And now apparently I don't think that's available anymore, and I'm not sure why. They do talk about other options going through Spotify and doing all this shit. Uh, but I but I think it would be a valuable thing to have. I, I would have to agree with you. So what I will do is I will check into some services online. You can get the virtual phone numbers with a voicemail. Uh, and then you can download that and insert it in the show, much like I did when we had it on Anchor.fm. So, Brenton, I will make a concerted effort to get a situation where it's simple. Now, when it was on Anchor.fm, you had to do it through your computer and all that stuff, and that's kind of a pain, too. I think people were reluctant to do that. So if I can get one of those virtual phone numbers with a voicemail, I'll just give the number out. And if you have questions or comments, by all means, we can do that. I think it's a good idea, Brenton, and I will see what I can do about getting that done. That shouldn't be too much of a problem, but we'll see. Now, you you talk about the lives I do on TikTok. You know, the thing is, I really like doing the lives a lot. It's nice to be able to talk to people directly, um, get some interaction from listeners or viewers, and actually talk about the things that people want to hear about. But you're right, the troll issue is a big issue. I've been doing lives here and there since the beginning, since I got a 1,000 followers, And uh, most of the time it goes all right. One time I got taken down in the middle of a live. Um, For what reason, I don't know. A a Trump humper was fucking pissed off about something. Uh, 
you know, as they do. And uh, that kind of frustrated me. And after that, I thought, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. Not so much because I was hurt by being taken down. I don't give a shit about that. But my problem, my concern was that if I get videos taken down or I get lives taken down, after you get a certain amount, they will consider banning the channel. I spent a lot of time building it up to where it is, and I'm not going to lose the fucking platform just because some dipshit Republican. That said, <clears throat> this last time I did a live, it was weird because I uh, I got through two hours and 15 minutes. No problems, no hitches. There were some trolls, but uh, a couple of my moderators got on there and they were able to shut them down. And everything went pretty smoothly once they got there. Um and no big deal. We did the two hours and 15 minutes. I downloaded the audio and I put it on as a podcast and that seemed to work pretty well. But then a couple of days after I did the live, I get this notice from TikTok saying, yeah, we took it down because of this or because of that. I'm going, what the fuck? What good does it do to take it down after the fact? But they did it nonetheless. And my concern is that it uh, it counts against me. And I don't want to be put in a position where they just ban the TikTok and then I have to do a backup and a third backup. Uh, a friend of mine, a, a listener, Hawk, he's had fucking nine, nine accounts. I don't want to do that. I respect the guy. He keeps coming back and he keeps getting followers. And uh, if you haven't listened to him, you should. But I don't want to go through that shit. That's way too much work for me. I'm not that fucking ambitious. So... Um, Brenton, I can hook you up to be one of the moderators. That's no problem. That's easy enough to do. You can't have too many moderators. And I will try to do some lives again in the future. But um, I'm really kind of nervous about doing it. Not because of what was going on there, uh, but because I'm worried that they're going to take down the account totally, which seems ridiculous to me. But you know it's completely possible. Now, hopefully, one thing that came out of that live that we'll reap the benefits from when I get back. I had all these trolls saying to me, you don't know this, you won't talk about this, you won't do this. And and my point is, when I'm in a live, I don't engage them typically because that just uh, wires them up and that causes, you know, the, the complaints. So I don't, argue with them on the live. But I said a number of times on the live, I said, look, if you really want to debate me, if you really want to give me what for and embarrass me, why don't you come on the podcast? Why don't you come on the podcast? We can debate. We did it with Brian Wallenberg. I'd be happy to do it with anybody else that wants to do it. Well, of course, there was, I I was going to say there was no response to it, but there was one response. And uh, I can't remember his name, Chris or something. And he claims he wants to be on the show. I was going to do it just before I left, but that wasn't going to work out for him. I said, when when I get back, we'll have you on the show and we'll do another, you know, Boomer v. Trumplican. And he seems to be all for it. But again, you know, when I've dealt with these Trumplicans in the past, they always seem to bail at the last minute. Now, I don't know if this guy will do that. I hope not. But I'm going to try like hell to get him on as soon as I get back, and uh, we can see how he does. He seems pretty convinced that he knows it all. Well, we'll see how much he knows, because you can't just spew shit. you got to come up with some fucking facts that back it up, and we'll see if he has the wherewithal to do that. We'll see what happens. I'll let you know. I'll give you some advance notice when he's going to be on the show. All right. I'm talking about Donald Trump and the very, very bad, terrible, horrible day that Donald Trump had. Now, you remember me talking about Donald Trump being forced to testify in a lawsuit um, issued by the lawyers of E. Jean Carroll. She's a magazine columnist right now. But back in the day, back in the 90s, she claims that Donald Trump raped her in a department store. 
Now, she's not going after him for the rape charges. She's going after him uh, for, for defamation of character. He's saying she didn't say it. He's saying that he, she's not his type, so she, he could never have been in a position to even be interested in this woman. He fought for years to not testify, but they finally made him testify. Now, the presumption is that he would sit down and plead the fifth, which is not a good idea for Donald Trump. Um, but his lawyers now say he didn't plead the fifth. They won't tell us what was said or what was done. I don't know that they can even legally do that. But he did not do that. But the deposition gave Carroll's lawyers a chance to interrogate Trump about the assault allegations as well as statements he made in 2019 when she told her story publicly. Obviously, that um, that pissed him off, and Donald Trump can't help himself but talk. They said, we're pleased that on behalf of our client, E. Jean Carroll, we were able to talk to Donald or take Donald Trump's deposition today. We're not able to comment further, said the spokesman for the law firm. Uh, Trump has said Carroll's rape allegation is a hoax and a lie. His legal team worked for years to delay the deposition in the lawsuit, which is filed. He, um, he was still president. So so what he's saying is you can't hold me liable because when I said what I said about Eugene Carroll, I was still the president. Now, a federal judge last week rejected Trump's request for another delay. He says you can't run out the clock. You're going to have to fucking sit down and testify just like real fucking people. Now, Carol was to have been questioned by Trump's lawyer last Friday. Neither her attorneys nor Trump have responded to questions about how that deposition went. I'm sure it didn't go well for Trump. Now, here's the interesting thing about Donald Trump. He may have shit the bed on this thing. He made these statements about E. Jean Carroll. And now he's saying his main defense is well, you can't hold that against me. I was president, which is not true, but it's their only defense. So what does this dumb fuck do? Um, <laughs> well, this dumb fuck, while they're getting ready for this testimony, he posts in True Social the same kind of comments about Eugene Carroll. So he has this defense, but he immediately blew that defense up by repeating the comments or similar comments in True Social, because now he's not president. So whatever defense he was trying to use, he blew it out of the water because he made those same comments, and now he is liable. He's going to lose this case. There's something else I heard, and I don't know. I don't know if this is true. I've heard this in the past, and I heard this yesterday. Apparently, the lawyers for Eugene Carroll are asking for a DNA sample from Donald Trump. Oh, shit. Are you telling me E. Jean Carroll has the equivalent of uh, Monica Lewinsky's blue dress? She might. Can you imagine that? If they get Donald Trump's DNA and they match it to something that would prove he raped E. Jean Carroll, oh, that's a problem. He's still not going to go to jail for, for, for rape, but he's going to be exposed for who he is, and he's going to lose the lawsuit, and this could be a significant amount of money. Now, he's got a lot of money. He's hemorrhaging money at this point. <clears throat> now, the talk was that um, while this was happening, while this is happening, Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, who is... Um, who is uh, suing Donald Trump for fraud. Um, while this was going on, there was an email sent um, or some kind of electronic notification that Letitia James was serving him, Donald Trump, with... A lawsuit. 
And as we know, with, with Letitia James talking about this lawsuit with Donald Trump's organization and Donald Trump's fraud case, she was going to ask for $250 million, which is substantial and is probably more money than he has. Apparently, New York's Attorney General Letitia James actually sued Trump's organization back on September 21st. Now, we know she deposed them, and he claimed the fifth. He admitted he claimed the fifth. Well, now, representatives for Donald Trump and Eric Trump finally got served, the AG said Thursday. Service took three weeks and a judge's order with the AG accusing Trump of gamesmanship. Oh, what are the odds of that? He wouldn't do that, would he? So Donald Trump has lost the first legal skirmish skirmish in his battle against New York Attorney General Letitia James and her $250 million fraud case. After three weeks in the court order, he's finally been officially served with a 220-page lawsuit. Trump has finally served was served through his attorney, Alina Habba, by sending in an electronic mail message containing a secure cloud link to PDF attachments of all documents, James said in a court filing. Now, the lawsuit accuses the Trump Organization of a decades-long pattern of fraudulent, exaggerating the company's worth. It seeks a quarter billion dollars in penalties and to bar Trump from doing business in New York. Now, you know they've got the goods. You know Letitia James is pretty formidable, and she's got the goods. She wouldn't enter into the lawsuit unless she had a sure thing. So Donald Trump is going to have to go to court, and from what I understand, it sounds like he's going to be going to court in February. This will be after the election, but it doesn't really matter. He'll go into court, but, you know, he's got so many other things hanging over his head. This is going to be a problem for Donald Trump. We think we saw Donald Trump meltdowns. Wait to see what happens next. He is going to lose his shit. He's going to be more unhinged than we've ever seen him before. So Letitia James is going to sue Donald Trump and Eric Trump. And they have been served. And there is a court date at some point in February. So this is going to be interesting to watch. This is while... The E. Jean Carroll thing is going on. This is while the Georgia thing is going on. This is while the January 6th committee hearings going on. And this is when the top secret document situation is going on. Donald Trump is in a world of fucking trouble. He's not going to get out from underneath all of these. He may not get nailed for all of them, but at least one or two or maybe three of them are going to be indictments and... uh, And he's going to be in trouble. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, Donald Trump um, with Letitia James, that's a civil case. He won't be indicted there. And that is true. But Donald Trump fucked up when he was deposed by Letitia James. He pleaded the fifth. He said he pleaded the fifth like 400 times. Now, if you're in a criminal trial and you plead the fifth, that can't be presented to the jury, and the jury can't consider that as an admission of guilt. I don't even think it's mentioned in the trial. You can't say he pleaded the fifth 400 times. That's in a criminal trial. Now, in a civil trial, that's an entirely different thing. You can present that as part of the evidence, and you can allow those jury members to presume some guilt when he pleads the fifth. I'm, I'm amazed that Donald Trump didn't know this or his lawyers didn't know this. I have a feeling the lawyers did know it and they said, uh, yeah, you shouldn't do that. And Donald Trump, like he normally does, said, fuck that. I'm definitely doing it. I'm definitely doing it because that's what we do. Now, he's the same guy that said anybody that pleads the fifth has got to be guilty. So he's pleading the fifth. Uh, fifth. And uh, he's got to be guilty, according to his standards. And the fact of the matter is, we know he's guilty. But where the indictments might come in from the Letitia James situation, she also said that she was going to refer Donald Trump and Eric Trump and the Trump organization um, criminally 
to the DOJ. So now this is going to go to the DOJ with all the facts and information and evidence, and they're going to have to decide whether they indict him. But it's not just the Southern District of New York, which is where she referred the criminal charges to. But there's also the Manhattan District. Now, we know what's been going on up there. We know that his um, chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, uh, pled out, pled guilty. And now he's going to testify against the Trump organization because the Trump organization has been indicted. You have to understand as much as Alan Weisselberg says, I'm not going to testify against Donald Trump. Well, the Trump organization is Donald Trump, whether he's doing it directly or, 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 or just through the Trump organization. It's the same thing. And he's under pressure here. He's got to tell the truth. He's got to be honest. He's got to be upfront, or that motherfucker, instead of being in jail for like five months, <clears throat> is going to be in jail for 15 years. So he's not going to fuck around. But when this was all going on, of course, we know Alvin Bragg came in. It's the new uh, uh, prosecutor in Manhattan District. And for whatever reason, he kind of laid back on Donald Trump. He said, yeah, I may not go after him with a criminal indictment. Well, now things, but he's never said he wouldn't. He's never stopped that whole concept. It was hanging out there. But it looked like he was laying back. Well, now you have to understand when this lawsuit goes forward in February, there's going to be a lot of evidence exposed, a lot of witnesses talking. We know that the referral has been sent to the Southern District of New York, and they may well pick it up and uh, file charges, issue an indictment. It's very likely that they will do it because I think Letitia James is going to bring out a lot of information that Donald Trump doesn't want other people to know. But this is going to put pressure on Alvin Bragg, too. As much as he kind of laid off of Donald Trump, he does still have the trial coming up against the Trump organization, which for all intents and purposes is Donald Trump. But he's going to have to seriously look at if he's going to indict Donald Trump directly or specifically, as opposed to just the Trump organization. Letitia James is going to have boatloads of of evidence. And then if the Southern District of New York comes out with an indictment, Elvin Bragg is going to look really stupid. He never said he wouldn't do it. He just said he was kind of laying off of it. But look for things to get ramped up in the Manhattan District with Elvin Bragg, too. Um... At the very least, more evidence will come out and it will convince him that way. Or it'll just be strictly embarrassment. Southern District of New York, Letitia James, the Attorney General, they're all going after Donald Trump, but he's not. That won't last very long. He'll have to pick up the mantle and go after Donald Trump, as much as it sounded like he didn't want to. Especially when the court case, the indictment against the Trump organization, goes south, which it most certainly will. See, the thing is, is Donald Trump is being accused of things we know he did. There is proof that he did it. And basically, I've explained this before. I'll try to explain it again real quickly. Donald Trump exaggerates about the value of his properties. It could either go way up or way down, depending on what is beneficial to Donald Trump. So if he's trying to get insurance claims or if he's trying to get a bank loan, all his properties are dramatically more valuable than they really are. He might have a $10 million building that he's saying, yeah, that's worth $50 million because it'll get him a better loan or better on insurance. But at the same time, that very same property that might be $10 million, he will go to the IRS and say, yeah, it's only worth $2 million. It's a piece of shit. And he does that so he gets cheaper tax rates. Well, you can't do that. That's fucking illegal. And Donald Trump has been doing it for decades. My question is, how has he gotten away with it for decades? Why is it just now that he's being exposed for what he's doing? He's been cheating the U.S. government for decades. And now, finally, they're exposing him. But the evidence and the witnesses are there. 
Alan Weisselberg, the CFO of the company, Trump Organization, was the man pulling the levers. He was doing what Donald Trump told him, but he actually pulled the levers, and he's going to jail. He's already pled guilty for a deal, and now he's got to get through this deal and hopefully do what the uh, Manhattan District expects of him. And if he does, he'll get a lighter sentence. But if he doesn't, he's fucked. So all of this with regards to his business and the state of New York is starting to fall into place, and it's going to be insurmountable for Donald Trump. He's not going to be able to handle this. And this is just one of many court cases at this point. We have lawsuits. We have criminal investigations, potential indictments. People are always saying, when are the indictments coming? Well, we'll talk about that in the second half of this show. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back. Now, as I was telling you, yesterday was a very bad, horrible, terrible day for Donald Trump. Because while all this other stuff we just spoke about was happening, something else happened. Now, you might remember a federal judge on Wednesday ordered the release of emails from John Eastman, a former Donald Trump attorney, to the House investigators saying the communications were made in furtherance of a crime related to Trump's effort to subvert the 2020 election. Now, let me explain that. If, a, if there are communications between a lawyer and a client, there is lawyer-client privilege with the exception of if they were trying to commit a crime in the process, then they are no longer privileged. So John Eastman was required to release those emails. (laughs) It didn't take long to see the shit fly because of those emails. The emails show, they show that President Trump knew that the specific numbers of voters, voter frauds were wrong, but continued to tout those numbers both in court and to the public, Judge David O. Carter wrote, The court finds that these emails are sufficiently related to and in furtherance of a conspiracy to defraud the United States. A federal judge said that about Donald Trump. A Carter, who sits on a federal district court in Central California, already released many of Eastman's emails from around 2021 to the House Select Committee investigating the U.S. Capitol attack. But the two sides were still arguing over 562 additional documents from Eastman's Chapman University account. For eight of the 500-plus Eastman documents the judge was examining, the judge said that the uh, materials could be released because they fit in the so-called crime-fraud exception, which allows disclosures of other privileged materials if the communications were related to or in the furtherance of illegal or fraudulent conduct. Now, four of the documents were from email threads discussing prospective election litigation. Now, in them, Carter wrote, Dr. Eastman and other attorneys suggested that irrespective of merits, the primary goal of filing is to delay or otherwise disrupt the January 6th vote. No basis in fact, no basis in truth, just to disrupt and distract and delay. So, Carter's new order cited one email where Trump's attorney Uh, states that merely having this case pending in the Supreme Court and not ruled on may be enough to delay consideration of Georgia. You see see what the game they're doing. Um, Yet Trump and his attorneys went on to file a federal lawsuit referencing the same inaccurate numbers, Carter said. The federal lawsuit Trump's attorney filed did not incorporate the numbers in the body of the complaint, but rather the lawsuit included as an attachment the state court election challenge Trump filed it. As Carter noted, without rectifying, clarifying, or otherwise changing the bogus fraud numbers. So you see what's happening here. Donald Trump doesn't do emails, but he signed a document. It might have been digitally, but he signed a document that supported those figures while he knew 
they were wrong, that they were untrue. So you're basically lying under oath. That's what Donald Trump did. And that, this judge is saying, is clearly illegal. That Donald Trump and Eastman participated in fraud. Now, Eastman tried to get him to not do that. But, of course, Donald Trump does what he does. He doesn't listen to shit. He doesn't listen to anybody. And he just... He just agreed with it. He figured, you know, I honestly think he starts to believe his own lies. He must. He must believe his own lies. Now, the committee has repeatedly argued that a core tenet of uh, Trump's plan to overturn the 2020 election results was to file frivolous lawsuits intended to delay certification of the results in key swing states. Now, the judge's ruling echoes that sentiment. He agrees with that. The revelation of the emails also comes as the Justice Department, as well as the local prosecutor in Atlanta, have launched their own criminal probes looking at the 2020 election schemes. Eastman must also hand over portions of materials related to his proposal for then-Vice President Mike Pence to disrupt the certification of the 2020 election on January 6th. The judge ordered Wednesday 33 documents were ordered disclosed in total under the new order, which set a deadline for doing so of October 28th. That's a little over a week from today. Now, earlier this month, the committee argued that Eastman has been consistently unreliable as he's tried to protect the communications from the ongoing probe and that the investigators should now get access to more emails from one of his work email accounts. Now, this is something we all knew. We knew that there was no truth in these claims. We knew that there were no facts in these claims, that all they were trying to do is cause confusion or uncertainty to delay the process. And if they could delay the process, then they wouldn't, in their minds, wouldn't certify the electoral vote. Well, that was never going to happen, but that's how naive and unsophisticated these people are. They thought they could game the system and they thought they could stop the uh, certification and then uh, it would cause enough confusion and law lawsuits and, you know, just delay everything so Donald Trump could figure out a way to get back into office. Well, that didn't work out, clearly. Donald Trump's not the sharpest guy, and apparently these lawyers that are willing to go along with what Donald Trump says aren't too bright either. So this is a particularly problematic thing for Donald Trump. A federal judge has said he broke the law. He committed fraud by doing what he did. He knew these numbers that he was repeating over and over again in the media and on this document were untrue. He knew that. And that was clarified by what uh, John Eastman wrote in some of these emails. He knew, yet he still signed it under oath saying that it was true. Clearly a big problem for Donald Trump. He's got a number of problems, but this is certainly one that's going to take its toll because it's actually absolutely proven in the emails between Eastman uh, and the Trump, organiz- or Trump administration and what Donald Trump ultimately signed. Yeah, once again, Donald Trump fucked up. And this is how it will go over the next several months. Donald Trump will continue to fuck up and... Um, Ultimately, it will take him down. There are things just laying in wait right now. And I I said I would get to this, and I'll tell you this. Um, Everybody wonders when Donald Trump will be indicted or when any of the people around him will be indicted. They've kind of had, they've laid off of him as far as the indictment talk with Donald Trump. There is an unwritten rule, I guess, with the DOJ not to indict a politician up to 90 days prior to an election, whether it be a midterm or a presidential election or whatever. And we know Merrick Garland. He's going to play by the rules as best he can, uh, mainly because he doesn't want any question of it before the fact, before the election. 
He doesn't want to give the appearance that he's being political. And while he's not being political, he's simply enforcing the law. He doesn't want that as an argument coming at him when he finally does it. Now, that said, what I suspect will happen is right after the election, once it's over with, and that unwritten rule is no longer an issue, you're going to start seeing indictments. In fact, I heard one one pundit on television, a lawyer, uh, I can't remember who it was. There's so many of those fuckers out on these TV shows. But anyways, he's suggesting that uh, Donald Trump will probably be indicted at some point before Christmas, before the end of the year, certainly, but before Christmas. And I think that's reasonable. In fact, I'm wondering if uh, the elections on November 8th, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing indictments on November 9th. Now, it's not just Donald Trump who's going to be indicted. There's going to be all the people around him, his family members, people in other uh, states around the country, the fake electors bullshit, Roger Stone, Ginny Thomas, Mark Meadows, Rudy Giuliani. Oh, did you hear Rudy Giuliani's got some problems? Has nothing to do with January 6th or even President Trump. What he, Rudy Giuliani is in, in a situation because he needs to pay child support or alimony or whatever the fuck it is. He's divorced now. He owes $250,000, roughly speaking, and he was ordered to show up in court just the other day. And guess what? He doesn't show up. He probably doesn't have the money, doesn't know what the fuck to do, and he's going to try to do the same thing Donald Trump does by making it all confusing and chaotic. But it's not going to work in this case. The judge found him in contempt of court, gave him a timeline, like in the next 30 days or less. He needs to come up with that $250,000 for his ex-wife, or he's going to be remanded to jail. So Rudy Giuliani will probably be indicted for a number of things, but he might already end up in jail because this thing is looming now. Now, to give you an idea just how nervous Donald Trump is getting and how much this is becoming overwhelming to him, get this. Donald Trump's legal team is weighing whether to allow federal agents to return to the former president's Florida residence and potentially conduct a supervised search to satisfy the Justice Department's demands that all sensitive government documents are returned, sources tell CNN. Now, in private discussion with Trump's team, as well as other court filings, the Justice Department has made clear that it believes Trump failed to comply with a May subpoena ordering the return of all documents marked as classified and that more government records remain missing. This has been the big story as of late. We know um, that he claimed to have given back all the top secret documents. They search his Mar-a-Lago home. They find more. So clearly he was lying. And once they got those back... um, They're now saying that there is more missing yet. And this is a big problem for this country. If these top secret documents are bouncing around all over the country or all over the world for that matter, that is dangerous to our country. And it's something that needs to be addressed. Now, here's my problem with this. He's saying, well, maybe we'll let them come down to Mar-a-Lago and let them check just so they can see for sure that they've got all of the documents. I don't know why the DOJ would even do that. I mean, if they're going to offer up a search on Donald Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago, that tells me one thing, knowing what slimy fuck he is, That means he's moved all these documents to Bedminster or the Trump Tower. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. What needs to happen is there needs to be three simultaneous, or more if necessary, simultaneous raids. I mean flat-out raids and searches on all of Donald Trump's properties. He can't hide them everywhere. 
Now, I know there's people who keep saying to me, he buried some with his wife on his golf course. I really have a problem with that. I, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, it could be. He might have buried some things. But you know Donald Trump likes having access to these things. He's going to look kind of silly digging up his ex-wife every couple of months so he can get his documents back. I don't think that's what happened. I don't think he's very sharp, but I don't even think he's stupid enough to do that. I just don't see that as an option. The only good news is if, in fact, he buried it with his ex-wife, the good news is nobody's going to see it now. And people have said to me, well, he can dig it up, can he? Well, yeah, he can. But you don't think the press is going to see him digging up his wife and ask why? Come on. There's enough crazy bullshit in this country and with Donald Trump that we don't need to deal with that conspiracy theory. And I think it is a conspiracy theory. It's a natural thought process from some people knowing how bad Donald Trump is. I don't think it really happened. And while we're talking about the documents, we know that Donald Trump was doing everything he could to delay that whole process, so he insisted on a special master. He insisted on a specific special master, and that's exactly what he got. He got the guy he wanted. He got the special master. Now, he was, he was trying to make sure the special master could see every document. And the reason he was doing that is because he figured it would delay it more and more and more. So they argued back and forth. He appealed it to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said, fuck yourself. That's a stupid idea. No, we're not even going to look at it. So the FBI can resume investigating all the documents they've taken out of his possession and uh, looking for documents that he may not have given up. But this special master, who was Donald Trump's boy, if you will, an older judge, a legitimate judge, the special master appointed to review the documents former President Trump stole, um, has expressed hesitation during a Tuesday conference that they should be shielded from the Justice Department, which is what Donald Trump wants. Judge Raymond Deary asked attorneys for Trump to offer up more details about an initial batch of documents already set aside by the Justice Department. He says, it's a little perplexing as I go through the log. Deary said, or he, what's the expression? Where's the beef? I need some beef meaning Donald Trump hasn't supplied anything. And, of course, where's the beef? Wasn't that an old tagline in a, like a 70s commercial for Wendy's or something like that? Remember the old lady said, where's the beef? Well, that's what Judge Deary's doing now. And, you know, I guess you can expect that out of a guy who's probably 100. Very legitimate, very credible, but he is an older man. The batch of documents in question includes a log where recommendations on pardons were among the materials. Now, Trump had in his home a detail known only after a court filing was accidentally briefly unsealed before being removed from the public docket. The conference comes as attorneys on behalf of Trump, as well as the Justice Department, are reviewing 11,000 unclassified records stored at Mar-a-Lago, totaling 21,792 pages, much lower than the 200,000 initially estimated by the company hired to scan them. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you have 200,000, 21,000, or two. Illegal is illegal. It's against the law for him to have possession of these things. And as much as he's tried to delay everything, nothing has worked. Not even his buddies at the Supreme Court let him get away with anything. They weren't going to allow him to delay it. And now his special master is saying, yeah, this is all well and good, but where's the fucking beef? You got all these claims, but you've got nothing to support it. So this whole thing with the documents is going to come to a head eventually. I don't know when. There's a lot of stuff to go through, and Donald Trump isn't being very helpful. But it goes without saying. It's very clear. 
that he stole the documents. He possessed the documents. He lied about having the documents. He continues to lie about having the documents. And the bottom line is all of that, all of it is fucking illegal. Donald Trump will go down for many things, but he's definitely going down for these top secret documents. Now, of course, in the midterms, there are many races, and there's one for the Senate in Iowa. Now, United States Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, he's fucking 89 years old, is seeking an eighth consecutive term. But for the first time since he's run for office, he's never really had any competition. But for the first time, he faces a real chance of defeat, as polls show Democratic challenger Michael Franken within striking distance. Yeah, it's very close. And Chuck has never been in this position before. Now, Franken is a a retired Navy vice admiral. He trails Grassley by as few as three percentage points in the CNN's Chris Saliza dubbed the sleeper race of the 2022 midterm election cycle. Now, the latest numbers out of Iowa from a new Des Moines Register poll are truly shocking. He wrote on Monday, Grassley is at 46% to Democrat Mike Franken, who's at 43% among likely voters. A margin of error race uh, that the poll at least suggests is very much up for grabs with just a few weeks to go before the midterms. Now, here's the interesting thing. Grassley is shitting himself. He, he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He says, I have no idea what is going on. So what's he do? He starts begging for money. And that's exactly what he's done. He's he's begging for more money. He's starting to uh, squirm a little bit because his his opponent is starting to get too close. Something that's never happened to him before. On Wednesday, Grassley appeared on Fox News and was unable to account for why Franken is surging. He also compared his situation to that of Senator Ron Johnson, who was in danger of losing his seat to Democrat Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. He goes on to say, you've been there for 40 years. You usually win in a landslide. What's going on? <laughs> He, he he's scared shitless. But here's the deal. You're 89 years old, motherfucker. Take a break. You shouldn't be 89 years old and making decisions for this country. Grassley went on to say, well, I don't know what's going on, but I know this. In order to get reelected in Iowa, you got to work hard. you got to convince the people they should vote for you. And I'm going to tell people that are listening, just like I tell Iowans, Grassley said before encouraging whoever is willing to send him money, if you're interested in helping me and you want to keep these investigations going, I'm just like Senator Ron Johnson. I've got to have some help to get reelected, and I appreciate the help. (laughs) Oh, the Republicans get in trouble. What do they do? They try to grift money. Well, Grassley, here's why you and Ron Johnson are having problems and why You are in close races that you never expected to be in. It's because you're supporting white supremacists, misogynists, anti-Semites. You're looking to overturn Roe v. Wade. You're gerrymandering. You're uh, suppressing votes of people of color. You're marginalizing the LGBTQ community. What the fuck do you think is going to happen? You do everything you could possibly do to lose votes. And then when it gets to be a close race, you go, whoa, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on, Grassley, is you're a fucking dinosaur. You're 89 years old. If you win the Senate seat, it goes for six years. You're going to be 95 years old. What the fuck? You should not even be in office. If you watch this guy on television, you know, everybody gives Biden shit. This guy's lost. 
He doesn't know what he's talking about half the time. He's so out of touch with his constituents. I don't even know why he would be close in this race. That's the frustrating thing. I guess, I guess we should take take solace in the fact that this guy has won by landslides for 40 years, and now he's getting a little bit of pushback. Maybe he's going to pay the price for the things he said and the things he does and what he believes and what he supports and who he supports. You remember back in January 6th, Grassley was all ready to take up the helm because they presumed that Mike Pence would not be there to do the electoral count. And then he would step in and fuck with it and cause problems and turn it into a situation where it's so chaotic that they couldn't certify the electoral votes, and then Donald Trump would have a chance to get in there. That's what Grassley did. He did that, and he supports all the fucking ridiculous shit that we see going on in in this country. So I'm hoping against hope that Grassley does get beat. I'm hoping against hope that Ron Johnson gets beat. These are some of the worst of the people in Congress currently. And then you have J.D. Vance out in Pennsylvania. He's up against Tim Ryan. You've got a lot of these fucking Trump endorsees that are looking foolish and not doing well in the polls. But when you say that... uh, When you say that this poll with Grassley and his opponent are close, I want you to take polls with a grain of salt. Because if you remember back in 2016, every poll said that Hillary Clinton would win, that she would beat Donald Trump. Every poll by 5 or 6% minimum, they said she would win. And guess what? She didn't win. I mean, part of it is because Donald Trump cheated, and part of it is because the Russian meddling. But the bottom line, the poll said one thing, and just the opposite fucking happened. So as we sit and look at these polls today, uh, and they seem to be close, I question that. I honestly question that, because I don't know that polls can give you a clear picture. I mean, Ed Jones made a point one time, and he was talking about a newspaper poll, And he said in order to be in this poll, uh, you had to be subscribed to this paper, which is largely Republican, and you had to have a landline because they weren't calling cell phones. Well, that kind of taints the whole uh, market sample when that's where you're getting your polls from. When it comes down to it, it'll be turnout. And the turnout will make the difference. The bigger the turnout, the Democrats have a better chance. And if you want an illustration of that, Georgia started their early voting last couple of days, and in the last couple of days, they've had record amounts of voters, like 130,000 voters each day for the last couple of days. That's unprecedented. And the interesting thing, that 40% of those voters happen to be people of color, black people. So that's an interesting sign for Georgia. That suggests that maybe the polls aren't correct, that maybe the voter turnout will be the deciding factor, and we won't have to listen to those fucking polls again. So when you're listening to the polls, take them with a grain of salt. But if those polls make you concerned or even scared and get you out of the easy chair and off to the voting booth, great. You can't lay back on this one. This one is far too important. And the likes of Chuck Grassley and the likes of Ron Johnson and J.D. Vance and Dr. Oz. We don't need those people in government. They are a detriment to this country. They are enemies of this country, enemies of democracy, enemies of fair and honest elections. They don't want them because they can't win fair and honest elections. So we need to boot these fuckers out. They may say they're close, but I have a sense that they're probably not as close as the Republicans would like to believe. I mean, in the case with Grassley, they're upset that it's close because Grassley has won by a landslide every fucking time. He's really had no competition, but now... 
he has competition. Is it because the uh, Democratic candidate is so great? I don't know anything about him. He might be a great candidate for all I know, but that's not why Grassley's in a tight race right now. It's because of all the crazy bullshit that the Republicans have done and people are scared shitless about it and they want to get these fucks out of there. That's why. And I think when the midterms take off on November 8th, I think we're going to see something vastly different than what the polls told us. Much like with what happened with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump in 2016. All right, we are going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.